Well, good morning. Y'all must not have gotten the message that Ridge was out this week, so sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm excited to be here. Um, band, thank you uh, for leading us in worship. I don't know if y'all quite understand and know the, the work and the effort that they put in, but uh, they're here late on Wednesday nights away from their family for several hours practicing um, they're here super early in the morning on Sundays, getting another run through, uh, sound checking. And so they put in a lot of work. And so I just want you all to know we appreciate what you all do. Um, just leading us um, in worship and preparing our hearts as we. Yep. Yep. What a what an incredible song uh, that we we're just singing um, there at the end. I mean, the whole song is just declaring who God is. Um, and we're about to be in Ephesians, and I'm probably not even going to do it justice. Ephesians is just so full of so many incredible um, promises. I mean, Paul does an incredible job. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are just laying out the theologies and the doctrine of the church, and he's very specific in how he does it. And then the next three chapters, uh, four through six, are now how do we put this to work? And so uh, we're going to attempt to look at Ephesians 1, uh, 1 through 14 today. Uh, and, and I'm going to do my best to do it justice. Uh, we won't even cover as much as we possibly could in here. Uh, but I think God's got um, some cool things to show us. Uh, this morning's going to be fun. Uh, as we're, we're singing these songs, uh, I want this morning to be uh, about rejoicing, uh, one, in who God is, but two, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the blessings God gives us as we're united in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, look, every Sunday morning is an opportunity to rejoice in the truth and rejoice in what God's accomplished, but today I want that to be what we do. Okay, and so we're going to do some stuff here in a little bit, and, and I want y'all to, to talk back with me a little bit, okay, uh, and, and give me some amens and stuff as we go through, and I'll, I'll give you some prompts to do that, uh, but I want y'all um, to be excited about the text we're reading because it has so many implications for us in our eternity, and it's so worth um, getting excited about. And so I'll direct y'all when I want y'all to do that, but will y'all just agree that that when I ask y'all to, to give me some amens, that you'll give me some amens. Sweet, great start, great start. So let me give you a little bit um, of backstory real quick for the book of Ephesians. Uh, I kind of shared a little bit of how Paul wrote um, and what he accomplishes as he writes uh, this book of the Bible. But uh, this letter was written sometime around um, 62 AD, sometime around 60, 62 AD, uh, and, and he's writing while he's under house arrest. And so he, he writes this letter along with, I believe, Colossians and um, Philemon, um, some of these letters, uh, probably while he's under house arrest. And he, he's writing to the church um, in Ephesus. Ephesus is what we would call modern, modern day Turkey. Okay, so if that gives you, if you know where Turkey's at, uh, that's a, a good placement of where um, we're talking about right now. So he's writing 
to this church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is a major, major port city uh, within the, uh, the Roman province of Asia Minor, okay? There, I mean, this is where business is happening. Um, so it's a, it's a booming metropolis. It is a big city. And the, the kind of big draw to that city is there's a, a massive temple to the goddess Diana or, or Artemis, um, or Artemis, I mean. And so that's a big draw for people to come. It's actually one of the, the seven wonders of the world. Uh, so it's, it's an incredible, huge fortress, temple for this goddess Diana. Now, this goddess, um, this temple was all about promoting, um, all kinds of immoral, uh, and so, so, Imagine this. I mean, you've got the church here in Ephesus, and you've got this massive temple erected for this goddess Diana that's bent on, that is created on immoral living, specifically sexual immorality, okay? And this place, this is like the heartbeat of Ephesus is sexual immorality, okay? And so that is who, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, that's what these people are facing, is that they're smack dab in the middle of junk. Of all sorts of immoral living, everything that's against uh, their faith, and that's what they're, they're kind of in the middle of. Okay? So that's who he's writing to. So, let's look at Ephesians one this morning. Uh, I'm going to give you just a second if you all find Ephesians 1. Starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Here in this part, it says, to God's holy people, uh, some texts say, to the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pause right here, and I just want to to draw something out of this text. I think if you're like me, I, I've read over this a thousand times. But here he says to the saints who are in Ephesus, or to God's holy people in Ephesus, and that that word saint is something that man I just read over, and I look at it, and it's like this unattainable living is kind of how I view uh, a saint. Someone that's maybe holier than thou, that um, is almost like perfect, and it's like, man, I can't reach that. And here's what I want to do. I want to explain to you what the word saint means, because it has a lot of implications as we move uh, through this text. Because he addresses them as the saints in Ephesus. Look, a saint is all about your position in Christ, and has nothing to do with the state of how you're living, Okay? So let me say, it's all about your position in Christ, who God calls you, who God calls you as you are um, a believer in Jesus Christ. So that's something that, as I look out here, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, y'all are saints. I'm speaking to the saints of the church, okay? So, uh, look, it, here's what, what one guy says, he says, uh, the saint, it refers to those set apart for a specific purpose. And this is something uh, cool that, that as I, I read, and this is kind of side note, um, but the word for saint in the Greek uh, was actually used 
uh, as a cultic concept. And you're like, how is this cool? Well, listen, it says describing the quality possessed by someone that could approach a divinity. So it's describing the quality of someone that can approach a divine creature. But it changes as, as it's used for the Christian. It says, but for Christians, they are referred to as saints not because of their piety, but because of the new relationship they have been brought into by, the, by God through the blood of Christ. So it's through the blood of Christ, how God sees us now, that that is why we are called saints. And what we're going to talk about is, as we're called saints, as we're recognized by God through that lens now because of Jesus Christ, what that should do is it should cause us to live saintly lives. Does that make sense? So being called a saint has nothing to do with how you're living, but it has everything to do with how God views you through the work of Jesus Christ. And in that should cause us to now live like saints. So let's finish reading, okay? And we're going to start in verse 3. And I think, uh, Gail, if you'll move to that next slide. Here's where I want to get some amens, okay? Is that verse 3, let me read this for you and then I'll explain. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Man, how incredible is that? He says, through Christ, he has given us every spiritual blessing that he's lavished upon Jesus himself. And so now, the next portion of this text from 4 through 14, is he's going to tell us all those blessings that we receive now because of Christ. Okay? And so if you'll look up there, when I read that statement in this text, that, man, we're chosen in him before the creation of the world. I, I want y'all to just give me an amen. And it, I want it to be excited, okay? That that has so much implication for us. Okay? So let's read and practice, okay? For he chose us in him to be before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Amen. amen. There we go. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be into to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ. 
when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Man, how rich is that? That he lavishes all those things on us, not by anything that we've done, but solely through his son Jesus and what he accomplished for us. We didn't earn any of that. Yet he freely extends that to us through his son Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you so much for this text. God, we thank you and praise you so much for what you accomplished on the cross. And God, what that means for us now. God, that you call us sons and daughters. God, that we're heirs and co-heirs to all these blessings that you just stated in your word. God, this morning, God, I just pray that you would speak through me. God, that, that my words wouldn't be my own. Uh, God, that, that John 3.30, um, that, that you would become greater and God, that, that I would become less. God, that you would simply use my mouth to speak um, your truth this morning. God, would we rejoice uh, in the things that you've accomplished? Would we rejoice in who you are as a good father? And God, let us walk away here differently than we came in. God, we want to see you move in an incredible way in Temple, Texas. God, what would happen if you did that in this country? So God, we ask that, um, God, as we receive your word and we hear your word this morning. God, that it would reach to our hearts. God, that you would, um, in this, define who we are through your son Jesus. Um, God, that it would alter the way we live our life as we leave here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to look real quick back at, at verse 3, and, I, and I, this is kind of getting away from my notes, but I think it's pretty cool. Uh, verse 3 in, in a lot of your, your text says, uh, Blessed be the God and Father. Mine says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And we read that, and there's like, oh my gosh, he uses the word blessing three times. Like, that couldn't be grammatically correct, right? Like if you see in an English sentence, three words used over and over and over in the same sentence, you're like, that's kind of a run-on sentence. But this verse is so cool. Because what he's saying here, that first word that he uses, blessed, it's all forms, all three of these are forms of the same word, roots of the same word, but this one here is set apart distinctly to describe God. And it's basically what, what it's saying. I think this is one of those words that we hear in church often. It's like, well, what does that even mean? What does it mean, blessed or blessed? The word bless here um, is to speak well of. Okay, and so what he's saying here is speak, we are speaking well of God the Father. Okay, so it's an adoration, it's a praise. And this word is set apart only to describe and to bless and adore God the Father. 
And then he moves on. He says, uh, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Look, the root of this word here is the same and it has the same meaning, but a lot less holy um, as um, it, it doesn't have the distinction of blessing God. But it carries the idea of speaking well of. And listen what he says. He says, to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. This is Jesus Christ blessing, speaking well of us in the heavenly realms to the Father. Like get this, this imagery of Jesus Christ speaking to the Father, speaking well of us, blessing us. He says, with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ. And look, the root of that last blessing is the same but has a, a new meaning. And what it means is it's talking about the benefits that we have in Christ. So we have Jesus speaking well of us to the Father. And then he gives us every spiritual blessing that he lavishes on Christ. He gives us all those benefits. And all those benefits are the ones that we just read. If you heard the word in him or in Christ, um, all of those words um, kind of either are, are before or after the blessing that we receive in Christ. And it's incredible. And so what I want to talk here about for, for just a moment, and then um, we're really going to get to, to what, we, what we want to cover this morning. Uh, we first need to, we need to understand um, our being united with Christ. Okay, And what understanding or being united with Christ should do here is it shouldn't tighten our grip and say, okay, this is mine. Or we shouldn't make it about um, me or what I can gain. Okay, But what should happen here is it should be a stirring up or a welling up of affection and praise and adoration for Jesus Christ. And what he's accomplished so that in him we might have the right standing before the Father. Okay, so as we're talking about what it means to be united with Christ, that's why in this text when we see those blessings, it says in Him or in Christ, because it is in Christ that we receive those things. Okay, and I think Romans uh, 8, 1 through 3, really quick, does a great job uh, of helping us understand this, okay? He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin in the flesh. If you read that, it helps us understand our un union with Christ because here is what it does. It says, um, you did nothing. Christ accomplished everything and now has given it to you as a gift. And so any um, temptation here to think that this is about us should dissolve at reading that. It should just be gone. 
because Jesus is the only reason that we have these blessings. Okay, and I know we just read through this text and y'all have them up here, but I just want to read through one by one these blessings that, that Paul states here in verses 4 through 14 that he's given us and just highlight those for you. The first one is that he's chosen in him, he chose in him before the creation of the world. We are chosen in him before the creation of the world. How incredible is that? That he chose us before the creation of the world. It says, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. He's called us sons and daughters. He's adopted us through Christ. And look, you can read that, and that's not any pitch for like Calvinism or anything like that. Y'all can stand where you stand on that. But So I'm not preaching predestination here to you, but read the text, and it says, he, In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. It wasn't by you, and it wasn't by me. But he calls us to that. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has lavished or which he has blessed us in the beloved. This glorious grace which he has blessed us with in his son Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood. How huge is that? He calls us redeemed because of Jesus. He made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ. And here I think uh, Philippians 2, 10 through 11 does a good job of helping us understand what that mystery is. He says, this is the will, this is uh, Philippians 2, 10 through 11 says this is the will he's talking about so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father that's the mystery of the will that god's accomplishing through jesus that his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess That he is Lord. And God, in his great graciousness, um, has made known to us the mystery of that will through his Son. The next one, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Then he goes on to explain what that inheritance is. He says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. If you recall, when Jesus leaves, um, the disciples are like, how are we going to know what to do? He says, oh, but something better is coming. Because my spirit is going to live in you. He's going to be your voice. He's going to guide you and lead you through all wisdom. And that's the inheritance that we've received from God. Is that he's given us this promised seal. Of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't know about you, but that's incredible that he would give us part of the Trinity to reside within us, to help guide us as we read and understand his word. What an incredible promise. So here's what we learn from from just reading through those. Is that God alone is the source of all spiritual blessings. And so Christ is only the only access to them. Okay, so if we have God the Father who's the source of these blessings... Jesus Christ is the only way that we can attain and receive those blessings. He's our access to them. It is being united with Christ that gives us access to the blessing of the Father. And here's what John 14, verse 6 says. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Look, and that's the hard truth. But Jesus is the only access to the Father. And the only access to this blessing, these blessings that God chooses and wants to lavish upon us through His Son, Christ. And so here's where I want to land today. We've kind of just walked through those blessings. We've kind of talked about what that means. We've kind of talked about what, what does it mean to be a saint. And that that's what God calls us as we um, become believers, that we're um, by position a saint. And then he explains that as a saint, as a child of God, that I'm going to lavish these um, blessings upon you through my son Jesus Christ. But now what I want um, to look at is, What does that mean for us? How should that change the way that we live? Because anytime we read God's word, and especially times like this, when we see how much he's blessed us, and what he's accomplished on our behalf, it should change the way that we live. And so the first thing is that we've been, we have graciously been recipients of every spiritual blessing in Christ. And by that, if you remember the word saint, it's talking about someone that's equipped, that's called, that has purpose. And so what he's done through these blessings is he's given us purpose. He's given us value. The words, in Christ or in him, or the equivalent. These words are used nine times just in verses 3 through 23 of Ephesians. But they're used 164 times in all of Paul's writings. And so when I say um, in Christ or in him, those are those right there. The things, the ways that he's blessed us in Christ. 164 times Paul uses that. To just show, man, you've been equipped. God's saying, I've given you all of these blessings, all of these resources through my son, Jesus Christ. And one of those being the Holy Spirit. Who is part of this trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
He says, you are equipped saints to carry this gospel, to carry this message of Christ forward to the nations. This is how we're equipped for the Great Commission. This is how we're equipped for Acts 1-8. To go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Like, this is how we do that. Because I, li- I hear that, that command and I'm like, man, how do we accomplish that? There's 7 billion people in the world. And he says, through these blessings that I've given you, one of those being the Holy Spirit. And so he equips us right where we're at. I would encourage you, um, look, if you want to um, see what the King of Kings, what the Lord of Lords says about who you are, I would go and do um, a study on all of those in Christ or in him and seeing how he's blessed you and who he calls you as a son and daughter of the king. And I bet that would be an incredible study to go through. And the next thing and the last thing as we wrap this up. I'm going to go ahead and call the band to start making their way up here um, in just a moment. But, but, but this and understanding these blessings should lead us to live as victors of God's grace and not as victims of our circumstances and our culture. Let me repeat that. Look, this should lead us to live as victors of God's grace and not as victims of our circumstances in our culture. Look, I shared with y'all earlier about who Paul's writing to these people in Ephesus. And these people are just swarmed or um, gathered around by some very immoral living. Look, if anybody had an excuse to be victims of their culture, it's probably the church in Ephesus. Like, we think our nation idolizes sex and is very sexually immoral. Like, this um, tops that, okay? Everything about this city is immoral. And it's calling to live immoral lives. And so if anybody had a reason to be a victim of their culture, it's the church in Ephesus. But Paul says, no, you've been giving these spiritual blessings. This is who God calls you. This is who God sees you as. And he calls you a saint. And by that, it calls us now to saintly living. Okay? And band, if y'all go ahead and start making your way up here. Y'all are lucky this morning. I went fast. But look, I want to wrap up. And this, this is such an incredible understanding of how we are to live as saints. How we are to live as those called apart, set apart for a purpose in Christ. This is William Barclay. He says, 
a Christian always moves in two spheres. He is in a certain place in the world, but he is also in Christ. He lives in two dimensions. He lives in the world whose duties he does not treat lightly, but above and beyond that, he lives in Christ. In this world, he may move from place to place, but wherever he is, he is in Christ. That is why outward circumstances make little difference to the Christian. His peace and his joy are not dependent on them. That is why he will do any job with all his heart. It may be menial, unpleasant, painful. It may be far less distinguished than he might expect to have. Its rewards may be small and its praises non-existent. Nevertheless, the Christian will do it diligently, uncomplainingly, and cheerfully. For he is in Christ and does all things as to the Lord. We are all in our own Colossae, but we are all in Christ. And it is Christ who sets the tone for our living. He describes in ideal state writing that there's the life that is dominated by the Spirit of God. As a man lives in the, the air, he lives in Christ, never separated from him. As he breathes in the air and the air fills him, so Christ fills him. He has no mind of his own. Christ is his mind. He has no desires of his own. The will of Christ is his only law. He is spirit-controlled, Christ-controlled, God-focused. Look, as we look at what it means to be um, in union with Christ, he's saying, look, these shouldn't ever be separated. You're living in the world, your job that you have to go to and work eight or nine to five. The classes you have to attend on the sports field, off the sports field, with your spouse, with your children. He says, those things, we're to live united in Christ. He says, as the very air you breathe in fills you, so Christ should fill you. And those things can't be separated. So, if our position is a saint in Christ, because of what God has accomplished for us on the cross, our union with Christ, our being united with Christ, should call for saintly living. This doesn't mean perfect, because we are still sinful creatures. But it should mean that we live united with Christ, whether we're at our desk, doing work for our boss, doing for the Lord. When we're talking um, to our um, co-workers and gossip is happening, he says, hey, you're united with Christ in this moment. He says, as the very air you breathe, you're filled with Christ now. Okay? So how is that going to change the way you live? Do you partake in the gossip? Or do you live as set-apart people? Because look, your position as a saint never changes. But does it depict how you live your life? 
Look, my hope for this morning is that as we read through, my hope is that you read these and you rejoice in what God has accomplished for us and, and how God has blessed us through his son, Jesus Christ. My hope is that that just wells up within you so much joy and so much rejoicing, especially now as we're about to, to sing praises to our God. Like these are why we praise him. And so I hope as you're singing these, that these things right here, these promises, these gifts, these blessings that he's given us, would just well up in your heart as you sing these praises, as you sing these words on these screens to our God. But my hope as we leave here is that by our understanding of who God says that we are, in our being united with him in Christ, that it would change the way that we parent, that it would change the way um, that we love and treat our spouse. Look, that's a hard one. I know there's times that Caroline's like, I don't want to love this guy. I really don't like him right now. And that's why Christ uses marriage as this picture of being united with Christ as Christ and the church because it's sacrificial. We have to lay aside our wants, our needs, our desires to love our spouse. And that's what God's accomplished for us on the cross. Look, um, we haven't earned any of this. There's nothing you can do or you can ever do to earn this position with Christ other than put your faith in him. This morning, as um, the band starts playing here in a moment, This is going to be open down here. There's nothing special about it. Um, but I know as, as I'm reading this text and as I spent time preparing, um, that God revealed in me some areas of my life that have been separated from my union with Christ. And what I mean by that is that... Um, I wasn't allowing him access to those areas of my life. I wanted to separate them from my living for Christ. And what this is, reading this text has called me to do is, one, it's called me to a repentance of God, I am sorry that I haven't given you access to this area of my life, that I've held on to it. But God, I want you to come and I want you to fill this area of my life. Because look, any area um, that we want to hold on and take, take hold of, look, we're sinful, depraved humans. And what comes from that is chaos. We can look at it all around our country, that where humans have taken hold of things and taken grasp of things, that there's chaos and there's disorder. But what God wants to do in those spaces is he wants to bring order to them. 
And so my hopes this morning is that as you read this, if, if there's an area that God's just calling, man, like, I, I need access to that area. That this would be a time to come in and lay that at the foot of the cross and say, God, come and fill this area of my life. God, because I've made a mess of it. And I need you to bring order back into this area. If it's a marriage, hey, take your spouse by their hand and come up here and confess that. If it's how you're parenting your kids and you're like, man, I've made a mess of how I've been parenting my kids. And it is chaos in our house. Come and lay that at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need you to come and fill this area of my life. Man, if it's dissatisfaction in your job, come and ask that God would come and fill that and that he would give you satisfaction that you would no longer work for your employer, but you would say, no, I'm going to be the best employee that I can because of the God that I serve. Man, if you made a mess of school and you're like, I don't even know if they're going to let me back in, come and lay that at the foot of the cross and say, God, I need you to fill this area of my life. I've made a mess of it. It's in chaos. It's broken. And so that's what I want this time to be this morning, is for you to come in recognition of what Jesus has accomplished for us through his son, or what God's accomplished for us through his son, Jesus. And in that recognition to come and say, God, I need you to fill this area of my life. If you've never place your faith in Jesus Christ. This doesn't mean anything for you right now. Because that's what has to happen first. And so if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to come up. I'll be up here. Come find me. Um, If you find Joel, the guy that was up here doing offering, find him. And just ask us about it. What does that mean to be saved? And maybe today is your, your time to do that. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we are so thankful for the blessings that we have through Jesus Christ. God, as I look through this list of the things that you've, you've blessed us with through your son, Jesus Christ, God, I'm humbled because there's nothing that I did to, to earn or receive those. God, you drew me to yourself. God, you you woo us in to yourself. God, as we place our faith in your son, Jesus, God, you grant us access to these blessings. God, you call us sons and daughters. You bless us with an inheritance. of order. 
like that. God, that our homes would look different. God, that in that, our schools would look different. That in that, our teams would look different. Our workplace would look different. God, that we wouldn't be perfect. But God, that people would begin to notice a life set apart with a purpose that's eternal. God, we love you. God, we ask that you would move this morning. God, that you would begin to reveal areas in our life that we've tightened our grip on and haven't allowed you access to. God, that we, in this moment, would call for you to just fill those areas.